I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it just made you, you should never judge people off like digital communication, but it just made me go up to school in the mornings and look at people and think, I hate you. <laughs> that's Andy Brussels saying that, James. Yeah, exactly. James, I like that's people. That's the nicest man in football media saying. I like people. Um, does anyone else think it's amazingly, actually, I'm going to rephrase that because, James, you might still be a bit sore about it. Does anyone else think it's interesting that the week after we do a little section on the show about travel tips <laughs> <laughs> that you are grounded well, no, I've got a new travel tip which what? is don't travel with British Airways <laughs> <laughs> listen you can actually you can actually listen to Football Ramble daily episodes on British Airways flights long haul so if you, you get, you get you on the get flight the people, people <laughs> should people should definitely stick with beer A bit of housekeeping before we start. Football Ramble is out on tour from Thursday, 26th of September. Um, myself, Luke, uh, Jim, Marcus and Pete are hitting the road uh, at dates and venues all around England uh, through September, October and the start of November. Um, and then on the 5th of November, we are at New York um, for the 5th and the 6th and then uh, Toronto on the 7th, Chicago on the 8th. Exciting to take it over to the US as well. Um, get your tickets at ramblelive.com. The um, tickets for the American shows are selling very, very quickly. So please do get in there by going to ramblelive.com to make sure you don't miss out. Uh, English shows as well. We're probably coming to a venue near you. It's going to be lots of fun. Uh, James and Andy sat opposite me do feature in the live show in some capacity but they won't better tell you how because it's a surprise <laughs> so everyone from the Football Round with Daily family pretty much is involved in some way um, so if you like this show or you like the show we do on a Monday and a Friday particularly uh, do come along get your tickets at ramblelive.com guys there's only one place to start um, this week and I think that is really with PSG 3 Real Madrid 0 James and or Andy 
Take it away. What, Madrid to win 4-3 at the Bernabeu? Yeah. 4-0. <laughs> yeah, 4-0, yeah. Yeah, four nil, yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, I guess a huge part of the story for a lot of people will be um, Real Madrid and their difficulties. And, you know, I could point out that if we go back a couple of years, uh, a similar result, well, an identical result actually for, for Bayern Munich, saw the end of Carlo Ancelotti's tenure at the Allianz. He got sacked the very next day. Now, I'm not suggesting that is going to, have to happen to Zinedine Zidane. It's not happened at the time of recording. Maybe right. we should leave a short, respectful gap so you can put <laughs> in an edited bit if it yeah. actually happens, Luke. Um, but it just made me think how far they've got to go to arrive at a coherent unit. I mean, there's been a lot of talk in the opening part of the, the season about how they've spent 300 million euros to... You know, arguably not really improve their, their their team. And we saw a lot of the players that they signed actually for the you know all playing together. Mendy, Militao, um, obviously Hazard. Well, that's got it. It's, two in the ratings in Le Keep. It's almost like their <laughs> it's almost like their pre season, isn't isn't it? Yeah. In in the middle of September, I have to say that the Eden Hazard two out of ten. I mean, come on. He wasn't that bad. He really wasn't that bad. He was pretty good. Drop like, static. I thought yeah. at the, the start of the game. Yeah, but he moved enough to um, create space for Fernand Mendy to stretch his legs down the left side. It's just to mark a player, just to belittle him rather, rather than actual, actually reflect his performance, it's to make a point. It's, not, it's like Renato Sanchez got two out of ten for his display uh, for Lille against Ajax. Don't okay, go after okay. Andy's Portuguese players. No, no he, way. No way. Never forget. Don't touch my babies. What is there to be made of the idea? And you touched on it there, but let's explore that further, that they spend all that money, yet they start a, if not a clutch Champions League game, it's a big game away at PSG in a, in a competitive group. It's the only way of measuring yourself in the group stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they start with the midfield of James, Cruz and Casemiro players who have been hanging around for a long while. All, all I would say is it's a lot better than at the weekend against Levante, where they're 3-0 up, they take off Casemiro, put on Hazard, and all of a sudden, they're absolutely overrun. Mm. So what did Hazard get rated after that. that game? Yeah, He's one of only four players to ever get a two. <laughs> two in, in back-to-back games. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think he got El Crack or El Dandy in no. uh, ass, let's put it but that way. But they were overrun by midfield, but in particular, against BSG, I should say, time and time again, in particular, by Idris Gay, who, yeah, who, who looked amazing. He looked he imperious did. in both facets of the game <laughs> indeed absolutely and, and I think that's that's that is an unheralded perhaps a bit unf- dare I say unfashionable signing for a Champions League club to make yes yeah he's made a huge difference to them in an area they needed improving in but isn't, isn't that their summer in microcosm they've made the signings they needed rather than necessarily glamorous mm. signings and mm. um, that's worked for them Kalo Navas falls in that boat as well uh, Abdou Diallo for, to, to a lesser extent I, I suppose um, I mean, Madrid I, got beaten at the end by a team that had uh, Gwey on the field, ex-Everton, Chupa Moting, yeah. ex-Sto- and Ander Herrera, yeah. ex-United. Good to see yeah. him back though, Ander Herrera. I mean, he had a mm. difficult injury. I think Ander Herrera is a good player. I was, I was surprised yeah, he didn't fight harder to keep holding He's going to be a good squad player for them. That's what, and, and again, maybe perhaps what they need, right? Yeah, it is what they need. And um, they, was, they were so light in midfield last season. I mean, I think if you go back a year and look at the way they lost at Liverpool, where they lost to that late goal, but... I mean, really, they were, they, were, they were battered. They were lucky to to, to be in that. And their, their midfield was absolutely non-existent. Mm. Now, 
I think this was a bit of a risk and a lot of people in France thought this was a bit of a risk before the game that Marquinhos started as the midfield anchor because the guy who's arguably your best defender is playing in midfield despite the fact that you've brought midfielders in so he doesn't have to do that job anymore. So mm. if it had gone wrong, Tuchel would have had some questions to answer, but it worked fantastically. And I think for the first time since Motta, Matuidi, Verratti, you had the sense of a Paris Saint-Germain midfield triangle that actually worked, that was actually complementary with each other. And you talked about, Luke, about where Real Madrid were lacking in midfield. I think the game is just as much about the strength that Paris Saint-Germain had in midfield. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's probably fair. And I, I, I don't know, we talked a bit about Marquinhos and the fact that why should he need to play in midfield again in one of the wealthiest, you know, ambition to be the most successful team in Europe. But I do think that um, some of this, some of this stuff's overlooked because the the defensive midfield, holding midfield kind of role, is obviously treated by some coaches at the top level as being interchangeable with playing centre back. I mean, if you look at what Guardiola does, he does that a lot. I mean, he takes midfielders and makes them centre backs, and I, I, there are a lot of transferable skills, shall we say? And well, maybe centre backs do a lot of midfield stuff these days. Build up yes, from the back, exactly. So break the lines with the passes. The roles are. I wouldn't say they're interchangeable because everyone's got a role to play, of course, and the roles are clearly quite different in some respects. But I wonder if the skills are transferable enough where Tuchel feels quite happy with that. What I think is interesting is we've been talking about this game for five minutes now, and we've not mentioned the fact that Cavani. Neymar and Mbappe weren't playing and Chupa Moting until after an hour (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's that's the embarrassment of riches we're talking about here you know but I mean what about I mean you could say that but also what about a word for Di Maria Andy you were saying to me um, I think it was earlier this morning that Di Maria Maria perhaps doesn't enjoy the reputation he should have based on the numbers he posts for for PSG and and again he's made the difference there against an old team in in a Champions League game absolutely he is absolutely vital to them and maybe people are just starting to come around to that because ever since Neymar arrived it was assumed that he would be the odd man out now of course you can position him somewhere else in the team he doesn't have to play in the front three he had to play in the front three last night because they were stretched Um, but he's someone who frequently takes responsibility and his numbers are are better than you would think. I mean, you look at last season, 19 goals, 17 assists, mm. 21 and 12 the season before. Mm. He never lets them down and he never lets them down in a variety of positions. And despite the fact that right up until very recently, people have been saying, oh, well, really, they're going to bin him off for someone more glamorous. This is one of the very best players in the world. He's top 20. Yeah, and he also... He's top 20. He also did it, by the way, along in a a forward three with two brand new PSG players alongside him as well. Again, against Real Madrid. I mean, with Sarabia, you you know you are going to get a heap load of work, whatever happens. Yeah. And uh, the thing with Sarabia is he has been a bargain signing of the season in waiting for a long time because of his his low release clause. Um, and, and that, going back to what we were saying before about Paris Saint-Germain making the, the right signings rather than necessarily the most glamorous ones, he definitely falls into this category. James, I, I wanted to ask you about Icardi, though, because... What's he on- done now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not your fault. Don't worry. Um, we're not holding you responsible as the Italian correspondent, but he's, he's not your problem anymore. Basically, I miss him. But I must um, say. on paper, the the difference between Cavani and Icardi. I thought you were going to say, is, what's it going to do for his confidence to be subbed off by Chupo Moting? <laughs> 
for Chupo Moting. Uh, that's, what, that's what happens if you don't play for a year. Yeah. No, sorry, Andy. <laughs> Chupo Moting's a good squad player. Leave yeah. him alone. He's yeah. not quite in the Renato Sanchez like mm. uh, sort of level of yeah. protection, yeah. but uh, I, I do feel as if I should put an You feel a bit of responsibility for Chupo Moting. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, but <laughs> I, I would say that um, on paper and on the pitch most of the time, the gap between Cavani and Akadi couldn't be any more. Cavani sweats every last drop that he's got. He covers every blade of grass. Icardi is one of those guys, a bit like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. You're, you're getting penalty box excellence, but at the same time, he's going to touch the ball 15 to 20 times a game and you, you've got to live with it. Icardi he's happy was, with that. But, Wanda's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, Icardi was playing this game mm. like he wanted to get closer to that Cavani role like he was saying I can replace this guy his all round contribution was fantastic I think he's a better footballer than people give him credit for mm. um, we saw particularly in Spalletti's first season I think he ended up with seven or eight assists usually for even Perisic and they had a very good understanding the pair of them um, and I think given the managers that he played for towards the end of his career um, it was expected um, at Inter, um, for him to to develop as someone who can play outside of the penalty area. Um, but to some extent, there was always a case that um, you don't want to take away what his strengths are, get him away from his strengths. So like the argument that Cavani would be a better finisher if he didn't run 12 kilometres a game, for example? Well, I mean, you, you, I think... Because I think that's a valid argument. Yeah. Well, in terms of him keeping... His composure being able yeah, to if, being lucid because he's, if, you, if you're puffed, you you know you can't, can you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Cavani, as you mentioned, one of the things it's not just his work rate, but he a little bit like Icardi, his movement is fantastic in mm. the penalty area. I don't think his finishing is quite as good as Icardi's. No, um, I don't think he is no, either. It's, it's not, no yeah. question. Icardi needs half a chance; he'll score two goals. That's that's wow, just, that's one just, chance. Half a chance. That's elite. That's elite. Yeah. Isn't it? You you look at the XG stats for that off yeah. the off the chain. <laughs> um, Literally infinity. <laughs> um but I think it's the options that um Tuckle now has at PSG. Um yeah, midfield as you mentioned, Andy, was a real kind of um threadbare uh, part of the team for them last year, as was fullback. Um fullbacks at, at the moment I don't think uh, are the players that you look at and think they're, they're, they're class out there. I think Mounier is a very good player. Both made big contributions last night, didn't they? Mm. Bernat, um, Uli Hernes doesn't really rate him. <laughs> yeah. but they're, which, they're, which makes every game, good game he has so sweet. I think, <laughs> I think they're, they're both fullbacks who, again, maybe don't have the profile that, that, that other fullbacks do at the top of the game, and yet they are very good fullbacks. It's like a little bit like Di Maria not getting this, the credit you you believe he he deserves. It's ultimately because he's not a particularly marketable, not a particularly um, photogenic um, uh, athlete or personality or whatever, but, not but, an extroverted personality. But, but and these, is, these players often get forget, forget forgotten about. You're mm. right, but there is a difference yeah. between, say, Di Maria and the pairing of Meunier and Bernat because... Di Maria is still an elite player. Mm. Whereas I think you're right. I don't think you could say that about the other two. I do wonder what they said to each other in the cuddle after they played that little one-two, by which point Real Madrid are absolutely dying. Mm. I mean, do you reckon they went up to each other and said, I'm Cafu and you're Roberto Carlos? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love if they did. What does this, what does this mean for 
let's broaden this out. What does this mean for Zinedine Zidane? I mean, the narrative is there for everyone to see. Never go back, never do this, never do that. They're in a shit state compared to what they were. You can't repeat it, etc., cetera, et cetera. Minestra riscaldata. Yeah. What does that translate to? Reheated soup. Reheated soup so never tastes as good. good. It's not yeah. as good as the first time. Absolutely. Um, what Cold pizza, it? on the other hand. Yeah, and yeah, I'm going to have to beg the <laughs> I would always reheat. I would always reheat pizza the next day. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because the cheese I'm gets weird. I'm not a weird. leftovers guy. Just, oh, yeah. You know. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does it mean for Zizou? What does this mean? Is it is it is it something not to be too concerned about? Or, as I suspect, given that what you guys said earlier, it's the only way to properly test themselves in this Champions League group, and they failed that test. Um, is is this something we should be worried about or not? We 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 talk about. Real Madrid scraping through the group or getting through the group by any means necessary and being set up to peak later in the season. It's a dangerous game to play that when you lose the first game 3-0. Yeah, but I do think in this group they, they should still cruise through, probably in second place now. But it's not really the result. It's the performance. It's where they're at. And it's the composition of the team. And like James was saying about... Um, or was it you that was saying, Luke, about the, the composition of the, the midfield? It does feel very... Retro, yeah, it's but old. I don't, I don't think you can overlook the fact that Gareth Bale was their best player. Yeah, it's not necessarily old in numbers; it's just old as in it's been there for ages. And he's yeah. supposed to be doing something new, and he's not really in midfield, particularly in this particular case. Yeah, I mean, some of it's not really his fault. We've got to say the fact that Eden Hazard has been injured so far is is not his fault, and that's going to take time for it for it all to gel. But it does feel clunky at the moment. Is is, is Hazard really going to play in midfield for Real Madrid? No, I think he'll play on the left side of attack. And, yeah. You know, that was their idea, what they're, they're calling the, the BBH. I mean, they've got lazy. They're, they're not even creating <laughs> proper acronyms anymore, long, are they? Uh, but BBH. I, I think it does make sense. And we saw a little... Sounds like a party legal high. <laughs> we saw little hints of, of how it could work practically, I thought, especially in the second half, when Azar dropped in inside putting him more into a sort of a number 10 position and creating the space for Mondi to, to go outside him, that could work. So to say they're completely irredeemable, I don't think it's correct, but that there's so much work to do at this stage in the season. I mean, they're not going to have played themselves. Well, I don't think they're going to have played themselves out of champions league contention by Christmas, looking at what else is in the group. But bear in mind that Zidane was saying in the run into last season, when they were struggling and, they were looking at this rebuild effort. He was saying, my priority for next season is winning La Liga. D- does anyone think they even have a slight chance of doing that? No. I, I always think when you've had a, a period of sustained success, um, as they have um, in the Champions League, um, let's let's be uh, clear about that rather than in La Liga, as long as those players are still around, it's very hard to move on from them. And I think Zidane is kind of caught between two stools in knowing that this team needs refreshing, but also knowing from past precedent that he can depend or believes he can depend on guys who've not only made this team play really good football in the past, but are winners as well. And I saw it with Inter, for example, in 2010, when they moved on initially from that, they re-upped the guys who got them uh, the treble, um, even though they were over the hill, Mm. gave them big pay rises. Mm. These guys were really influential characters in the dressing room. And you could see, you know, when results were going against them, um, the veterans did stand up and be counted. They would say, this isn't our standard. Um, This uh, has to change. 
and I can imagine if you're a manager and you're hearing that, you're like, that's what I need to hear. That's what I want to hear. But the, the problem is, can they actually change it at this stage in their career? And I think that's an issue. And with Zidane, you look at the fixtures that are coming up. They're going up to play against Sevilla this weekend. Sevilla, um, top of the table. Um, they've got Atletico Madrid um, in the Madrid derby. Um, what next weekend, the following weekend as well. If he gets, gets beaten by Lopetegui, you think he'll get that far? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Um, we we come full circle, Andy. So, um, yeah, and and I think in some respects that that appointment. Remember, they had a real problem attracting a, a successor to Zidane, and they ended up with Lopetegui sabotaging Spain's World Cup um, at the same time. Um, but and their own short to medium term future. Also, it was kind of like, well, what does that say about you know top managers looking at Real Madrid and and the job there? Um, so I'm sure Joseph Mourinho sat in his uh, sat on his sofa in Belgravia twiddling his thumbs looking at his phone mm. scrolling scrolling one thing we should say about that Sevilla Real Madrid game that's coming up Sevilla top of the table under Lopetegui and he's done it whilst integrating like eight nine new players I mean Monchi has over Monchied himself this <laughs> yeah. this summer and, and yet still they, they look pretty good as Neil Young said it's easy to get buried in the past when you're trying to make a good thing last isn't it Indeed. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash ramble. When, I said, when you said earlier, Andy, does anyone think Real Madrid have even got a slight chance of winning La Liga this season? And I said, no. They've got a slight chance. I mean, they've got a slight... I mean, statistically, they have a chance. Yeah. yeah. But are you, I'm, I'm surprised that you two are so strong that they, they, you don't, you, you're clearly implying that you don't think there's much chance at all of them doing anything domestically. This and this, showing... this coming from Andy, who said Barcelona on the back of that Dortmund game are on the turn. Yeah. What, there's, there's nothing, he said this all season so far. There's, there's nothing to say that they both can't be on the turn, mm. is there? No, I mean, that's true, Andy. Well, that would be very spectacular. Yeah. What about, um, let's let's look ahead to, oh, sorry, let's look back at how some of the Italian teams got on in, in Champions League. They did great. Not, not just because we've got four James Four wins here. out of four. No, no, no. Not just because we've got you here, James, <laughs> but, all, but I, I think there's some really interesting stuff coming out of it. Um, I want to start with Napoli beating Liverpool because that's a good result against the current European champions, although Liverpool's away record in the Champions League isn't isn't fantastic. I notice you're massaging his shoulders before you stick the knife yeah. in with Inter and Conte. Yeah. <laughs> James has already said to me, too early, too early, Conte. You, I'm not having any, I'm not feeling any questions about Conte. It's too early. Um, so perhaps we'll leave that one for next. But I, I do really want to come on to Atalanta as well. But James, what did you make of Napoli sort of grinding out a win against Liverpool? They rode their luck a little bit. They, they took their chances late on when they came. I thought this was a really good game. I thought both teams played well. Um, I thought Liverpool certainly played better than when they went to the San Paolo last year and also lost. Um, I think it was interesting to see, for example, Napoli play differently than they did a year ago um, and still be able to confound uh, Liverpool in some respects or certainly pose a threat. Um, both teams, I thought, and I know people will say, well, Manolas almost let Salah in and Merritt had to make a big save and Van Dijk is culpable for the second goal that Llorente uh, finishes to kind of finish off the game I thought there's some great centre-back play in this game um, and I thought just Napoli came out second half and um, to use a football cliche uh, wanted it more um, in that I think they believed um, that they could get at Liverpool and, and Mertens I thought had a fantastic game um, coming short helping them elude the press, build attacks. Um, and yeah, Ancelotti, he is extremely canny. Um, and this is his team now. It's not Sarri's team. He has um, assembled it in such a way that he doesn't want specialists in um, in positions. He wants players who can do everything. Mm. And you see that with, uh, with Napoli's midfield now, particularly with uh, Fabian. You see it with Zielinski, who didn't start this game, uh, but came on. And you see it with Elmas, who they signed from Fenerbahce. These are kind of multi-purpose midfield players who can screen a defence, who can play a final pass, who can get out of tight spaces, but are physical enough to knock other people off the ball as well. Um, and they've got a lot of weapons. And I think they, um, you know, you can focus on the penalty 
and uh, whether it was a penalty or not, I think Callahan did brilliantly um, in order to make you know sort of three frames of uh, of of the VAR decision look like it was a penalty, and then only one make it look <laughs> that is absolutely not a penalty. I mean, that is yeah. that is masterful. Did he did brilliantly to undermine the referee's authority and make it hard for him to referee the game. <laughs> but but you know what? People often sort of snarkily say, "Do players practice diving in training?" You have to say. The quality of dive. It was exactly the same as the Mertens one that got a penalty at Florence a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. How, is, how is... Let's not disappear down a VAR black hole because I want to ask you a question about um, some, some Napoli players in a minute. How is VAR not overturning that? From my experience in Serie A, and this is the last couple of years... So this is a Champions but, League thing, though, so it's a different, but, different thing. Sure, but I think this is also relevant as well because it's happened, is that if you... If the first images that you are shown are ones that kind of make it look like it was a penalty um, and you immediately see that and you, you're, you're under pressure to basically get that decision right and you want to make it right as quickly as possible human beings again involved you'll be like that's a penalty and I don't know whether they, they got to see the shot where it's clear kind of Cajon dive where they got when when they wear or whether they actually got to see in that which eventually. order they saw yeah. it as well. And I think that's that's that is a, that is an issue. So they're saying that it's not. So basically, they're what you're implying there then is that they're 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 of the opinion that it's not clear and obvious. So, it's, so the official the original ruling can stand. No, I think it's clear and obvious from from one of the uh, one of the images that you see. Um, but I think it depends when they saw that image and in what in or, what order they saw that image. If you know what I mean. Ultimately, it's up to the the, the match director to get them the kind of images. Um, and I think some sometimes you can be conditioned by what you see first, second rather than what you see third, if you know what I mean. I think if we carry on like this, James, what I think is that we are going to have the first red car for some players storming the VAR room. Um, <laughs> well, that's why well, they be want a bloody it to long be like in stomping miles away. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I'm right in saying that in the, in the game last night, Napoli played almost like a more traditional 4-4-2. Now, of course, under, under Surrey, we saw players like Insigne and Callahan play as part of a forward three. They both played almost as like authentic wingers yesterday, didn't they? And they both played, they both acquitted themselves pretty well in the face of some, let's just say, at the very least, good quality fullbacks that Liverpool have got. Mm. Were you impressed with how they've applied themselves in this new Ancelotti style? At yeah, this, at this level. I think this, this feeds into the, the, the discussion I was, I was having about um, the kind of players they've gone and acquired, um, players who are kind of universal and can play multiple positions and do multiple different things. Um, because I think if you focus on it being four four two, if you watch them when they when they've got the ball, it's actually like three two four one in in the way mm-hmm. they space themselves on the pitch. Um, because when you know Mario Rui and um, and Di Lorenzo go forward, you know Insigne will come inside, play in yeah. the half space. So it's very flexible. It's very flexible. So it's very flexible. It makes it I think very difficult for for teams to pick them up. And this is see a team that I think is still. Uh, very uh, still benefits a great deal from uh, the education that they got on the Maurizio Sarri in terms of um, how much he focused on one touch skill posture in terms of how you receive the ball um, so you can then play that forward pass instantly I think that the, the 
chemistry between the the front three in particular um, is 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 still something that they're benefiting from to this day. They're a very flexible team, and they're a team that is used to scoring a lot of goals. And you look at Mertens, who's only been a centre forward for two and a half years. Um, I think he's now one or two goals away from matching Diego Maradona um, with 115 goals in all competitions for for Napoli. He's just Probably my favourite player on the planet at the moment, uh, Mertens. Um, in, in, in He'll just never like... match him in terms of numbers of banners around the San Paolo, though, will he? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, you know, I think um, colleague Miguel Delaney was remarking, because he was there for the, for the game, how you know one does one team love one player, one personality more than Naples loves? Oh, um, it's incredible. Than, than Diego for a player who played from such a long time ago as well. Mm. It's incredible. But what I, what, I mean, what I would say also is that um, I thought Koulibaly um, was was exceptional in this game. Allowed them to 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 play with courage, play higher up the pitch because he was able to get back, snuff out anything that came into the penalty area. And one of the things that was surprising, given how Napoli have started the season, um, you know, they conceded three against uh, Fiorentina, four against um, Juventus. They don't concede in this game, and I felt that they they were in some respects reminiscent of. Um, the good old Juventus that we used to see under Allegri, which is when they have to defend in their own penalty area, nothing gets past them. And that's what happened. And that's what I think a lot of people were hoping for when they signed Koulibaly and Manolas. And uh, I think Manolas, although he kind of made a mistake second half, which Salah nearly punished him for, and we should mention again, some great goalkeeping in this game. Adrian yeah. save from Mertens um, yeah. at, the, at the far post and also a Moret save from this mistake Malas made and Salah's shot. Yeah, that was fantastic. I think that and the Samp game last weekend underlined how important he is to them and that he's yep. absolutely the number one now. Isn't he's it? been he's been brilliant. Um in even in the Juventus game where he concedes four goals. Um he was he was brilliant in that one as well. Made two uh, real kind of highlight real material saves. Um but yeah I think yeah Malas one of the reasons Firmino couldn't really get in the game aside from that headed chance he had towards the end of the second half is because they were really aggressive about stepping out and anticipating those balls into Firmino. You know, one of the, the real problems that teams face when they play Liverpool is Firmino coming short, linking the play, yeah. playing those little back heels and flicks around the corner. They never really allowed him to do that. And I think that's really difficult to do over, over 90 minutes. So I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Well, you also, if you do do that, you then leave space in behind that the other two can exploit. And particularly Mane at the moment is in great form. And he, he actually quit himself quite well. Elsewhere in, in group, E. Lars Sivertsen, also of this parish, who pops in to see us from time to time, and his favourite player. I mean, if your favourite player is a uh, young Dries's pieces, as uh, as Marcus Speller would call him, um, Lars Sivertsen is certainly Erling Haaland, who is appears to be some kind of um, genetically modified super forward. Um, sent from another planet to to destroy all other forwards, and sent like, from West Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we might have heard that once or twice this yeah, week. I think it's seventeen goals in nine games now for the teenager. I can't remember the last time a player. Do you expect arrived... him to be in the next franchise of Thor? With, yeah, it feels uh, a bit like that. With, I'd, with I'd Hemsworth, and I'd love to get your guys' feelings and thoughts on him as a player because he looks like someone we're going to be seeing a lot more of, particularly as Salzburg are in the same group as Liverpool, so we'll see him come to Anfield and all the rest of it. I, I wonder if you guys are effusive about your praise for him as, as Lars is. Can you, you remember the last time a player arrived at a club and so quickly made it clear that they just can't hold him 
for much longer. I mean, and Salzburg are, are not a small club um, and they're not a small team. They're a team that hits hard in, in Europe and, you know, they've waited a long time to to get into the Champions League group stage proper. And I felt you really felt that in, in, in this game against Genk. I mean, he's a young man in a hurry and they're a, a team in a hurry. A Genk poor, Andy? Um, they've not started the season well at all. Yeah, okay. They've started very, very poorly. Um, they lost their coach and Felice Matsu is struggling to hold it down so right, far. Okay. There's, there's, there's no getting around that. I just wondered if there was a comment about the opposition based on how Holland played. They looked night. naive. A bit of both. Yeah. The number of times they were caught um, on the counter-attack either yeah. from, from their own set pieces. Like again and again. Situations. Yeah. 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 Absol- absolutely. Like a Frank Lampard team. <laughs> Carry on. But, you know, Salzburg are experienced in European competition and a good standard of, of, of European competition if you look at what they've done in the Europa League in the last couple of years. Um, but Holland was absolutely terrific. I mean, we heard Lars telling the story about him and taking the match ball home to bed, didn't we? A, yes. a, a couple of weeks ago, so our subscribers might have spotted that on, on social media. He said he would L- treat it like his girlfriend for the night. Yes. Ch- uh, chilling. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> chilling. Lars was telling another story this week um, that um, I think one of the directors of Salzburg was um, walking through the, the, the city with his, his son and they, they spotted um, Holland in his car. This was the day before the match. And waved at him, and he like put pressed the button to put the window down, and he's in his car listening to the Champions League anthem <laughs> at full whack, just pumping himself up. Yeah. What I liked uh, watching that game was when um, he scored. I, th- I think it was before his hat trick goal, um, but he was he was clearly in the moment and mm. and, and and able to really kind of um, appreciate what he was doing because. The game was had, had resumed. Um, Genk had kicked off again, and the announcer in the stadium was was you know, calling out his name, and he was he was like still celebrating, and then kind of working the crowd as well. Right, it was brilliant. But I mean, there are two things that stand out to me about Haaland. Not only the kind of four hat tricks uh, already this season, the nine goals he scored in the Under-20 World Cup in one game against Honduras. Um, But unlike uh, Martin Odegaard, he decided to take a kind of intermediary step rather than go straight to the big time. Was he he linked with truly big clubs then, was he? Yeah. Okay. Um, And I think that's helped him. He's gone to a league which is a step up from uh, Norway. Um, But not a step too far. He's gone to a club which um, has nurtured a lot of talent and yeah, is all about nurturing talent whilst also instilling a winning mentality in being successful domestically and going far in Europe. It's a stimulating environment, but it's not too much, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, getting the kind of education that Mane and uh, Naby Keita got whilst they were at Salzburg. And then the other thing is just watching him. He's 6'4". Yeah. He's a man grown. He's and a man grown. At 19, <laughs> 19 and 58 a man, days. A man's still four. growing, yeah. maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Imagine uh, that. And I think often when centre-forwards are that size, you know, you fall into cliches about them, don't you? You say they're a target man. They, you know, they're going to be good in the air. They're like, they're, hold, they're, they're going to be good at uh, holding up the ball and all that sort of thing. Watching him, he is a player who wants the ball played in behind for him to run onto facing goal. He does. Yeah. I mean, to keep up with the speed of those counter-attacks when you're six foot four, 
I mean, well, that's, makes, imp- that's he, impressive. Two strides, Andy, and he's at the, he's, he's gone from one end of the pitch to the other. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. But on, in, on in, terms of, in terms of his mobility, he's almost nearer an NBA point guard than he is a, 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 a typical six foot four centre forward, isn't mm. it? You're going to have to explain that to him. lots of people listening, Andy. Big and quick. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, in I, short, I, th- I think he is certainly from. The little I've seen of him much more than just a target man. I mean, there's no question about it. You can't score that level of goals, some of which come in at Champions League level against albeit weaker Champions League level opposition and and just be so one-dimensional that you haven't got other assets to your game. I don't think that's the case. But you know, James was talking about Odegaard before and how he, he took a, a big leap too far. The way he's put his career back together... Did you see how he played against Atletico Madrid at the weekend? I mean, he started the season brilliantly with Real Sociedad, but he's taken time to piece it all back together. I think it would have been very easy for him to completely disappear without trace. But after two decent seasons in the Eredivisie, he has taken another huge leap, actually, coming from Vitesse, where where he he did pretty well, to Real Sociedad. And he has been superb. And he absolutely tore... Atletico Madrid to bits over mm. the weekend. He was brilliant. It's good to know that he's still got that ability within him and he's still still applying himself because it would have been hugely disappointing what's happened to him over the last few years. I mean, he, he's only 20. Yeah, still now. Well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, James, I did say, I did promise people earlier that we'd talk about the Italian teams. Atalanta, I was very disappointed in them because it's their first ever Champions League game. Um, they're playing against a team that they realistically probably want to, well, they certainly want to compete with at, at home and, and they obviously didn't want to be smashed falling away at Dinamo Zagreb moreover part of the reason I was disappointed though is because this this is a team who in my mind have a reputation for scoring goals and are exciting to watch and 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 go out there and attack and I didn't see a huge amount of the game uh, but they Dinamo were exciting to watch well yeah yeah I imagine they were what's gone what's gone wrong with them well, it's game. hard to put your finger on it, and I think they're struggling as well. Was it the um, occasion that got to them? Well, no, they said not. Certainly on the eve of the game, they said, "Look, um, we're not phased by this because you know we've played a lot of European football over the last few years. Mm. We've gone to places like Lyon, played really well. We beat Lyon. We've uh, beaten Everton five-one at uh, Goodison Park. They were great against Dortmund. They were great against Dortmund. Unlucky to go out. So, in, and also, Gasparini was saying, you know, when you go away to Juventus, when you go away to Napoli." These are big occasions as well. So, yeah, okay, fair point. Um, but uh, I suppose everything's this. Everything's been building towards this, um, and there were three thousand fans who made the trip over there. And I just, I just wonder whether they'd built it up too much in their own heads, um, and then weren't able to perform. Maybe the actual psychologically, the just preparing for this occasion itself was 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 quite draining, um, and. Yeah, they were surprised as well, I think, by Dinamo, who have played one way all season and played another way in this game. And yeah, okay. all the preparation, I think, that they, they'd done, usually they're very good at adapting and reacting. Um, and that, that's why during the game, when they went one goal behind, two goals behind, I was confident that they could get back into it and get a result because that's what they do in, in Serie A. They're the team that have recovered the most points from uh, losing positions last season. Um, they were 2-0 down against Spal on the opening day, came back to win 3-2. Um, and as you're right, Luke. This is a team that produces a hell of a lot of chances. You know, they were top scorers in Serie A last year. Mm. You know, they outscored Juventus, outscored Napoli. In terms of XG, last couple of years, always been top 
in the league. And that, that front three that they've got, who were all fit last night, all played, Zapata, Papu Gomez, Josip Ilicic. Muriel off the bench as well. Muriel off the bench. It was really surprising um, that they were uh, they were essentially, yeah, they went goalless in the, in this game. And they didn't really create anything, aside from that Zapata chance at the end where um, he pins the centre-back turns and Livakovic, the, the goalkeeper, makes a fantastic save. Aside from that, they didn't produce well, The game anything. was gone by then, there wasn't it? The game anyway. was gone completely. Yeah. But James, yeah. would you say there's a certain type of pressure on them? Because a lot has been said about what an easy group it is for Manchester City. And mm. I think there's challenges to a certain extent that will be offered to City throughout the group. But you would assume that they're going to go on, they're going to win the first four games and then maybe take it easy over the, the, the last two once qualification is assured. The fact that Atalanta aren't just going into the Champions League to play it, but they're going into it with a realistic prospect of qualification, that adds something when you're a Champions League virgin, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I mean, they were talking before the game about how the fix, not only the draw has done them a favour, but also the schedule has done them a favour as well in that they're not going to play you know, City in match day one or match day two and get pumped and be demoralised by they're it. They're going to get pumped by Zagreb They're going to get pumped by Zagreb. Yeah. But, you know, they go, they go away to Zagreb, they then play Shakhtar, um, at San Siro. That's next, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, and then they'll have the double header against City. But so they were looking at that and thinking, yeah, there's a chance that we might be able to go into those games with City with six points. And I think for that to evaporate, I think they're going to have to get over that fast. I just think it was a. I can't believe you called their home ground the San Siro then, James. Well, it's it is <laughs> they're playing the, the San Siro. Yeah. Why are they playing there? I didn't know that. Well, in part, in part, I thought you were doing a little are, joke there. No, no, I wasn't. In oh, part I didn't because know that. They're, they're renovating their stadium and it won't be ready in time. And, okay, why do they choose San Siro? Because it's the closest. Well, it was actually offered to them um, right. by, by by the Milan clubs. Um, they said, "Yeah, if you want to play there, that's absolutely fine." Um, and that's fascinating. That completely passed me by. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, Bergamo is not far at all yeah. from you know to to riff on what we were talking about last year, last week in terms of flights. You know, if you fly Ryanair to Milan, it will drop you off in Bergamo. <laughs> if you get there at all. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I I slept in a pod in Bergamo Airport once. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. That's interesting. How was that? Uncomfortable and yeah. noisy. I bet it was, yeah. Was it like an MRI scanner? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is, this yeah. Is, yeah, this, yeah. That's why the way you've made it. I, I pictured it in my mind to be just like that. Yeah. But I don't think everyone would have realised that Atlanta were playing at San Siro for their first Champions League campaign. And that's, mm. To me, that's a little bit... The, the romantic in me says that's a little bit of a shame. It is a shame, but it's yeah, ultimately reflects that this is a progressive club who've de- decided to invest in their stadium. Sure, but it's a shame that it's come along at the same yeah. time as their first Champions League campaign, yeah. isn't it? Um, <clears throat> what about um, a team that does play at the San Siro? <laughs> and were playing at San Siro. And were playing at San Siro uh, this week. Inter, you didn't want me to talk about Conta's Inter this week, because you said, because I did the old kind of hackneyed joke, which was, oh, a typical Antonio Conte team brilliant domestically but not quite at the races in Europe um, after their one or draw against uh, Slavia Prague I mean I'm going to put it on you though is that a disappointing start to their season in the Champions League given they've got Borussia Dortmund and Barcelona also in their group undoubtedly because I think uh, this was supposed to be a home banker Um, in this kind of group of death you have to be picking up points against the quote-unquote weakest team. Would it be particularly annoying for individuals who had backed Inter to win the Champions League this season at colossal 80-1 to 1 
like this guy sitting <laughs> right <laughs> here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As soon as the draw went, I thought, you know what? I fancy him getting out of that. Okay. And, uh, and who knows? Well, it ain't over till it's over, Luke. I apologise still... to fans everywhere for my kiss <laughs> of death there. But I was really impressed by Slavia and how they approached this game. They were really courageous. They essentially marked um, into man for man, aside from uh, Suchek, um, the midfielder who scored, what, 18 goals from last year. He was mm. their top scorer. Um, and he was, uh, when Inter had the ball... His job was essentially to be the one free guy. He was a top scorer for me. He's kind of a sort of holding midfield type yeah. player, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, their okay. midfielders are their top scorers. Like this, this... Ronald Koeman vibes. But you look at the way they play and the two strikers and Oli Inko as well as scoring the goal, which is a terrific finish, really underrated finish. Um, their job was to peel out, really, wasn't it? And try and divide the back three. And Stanchu, who is a really good player and a player who could have become a lot more and a player who still could become a lot more. I mean, he's only 25. Um, the idea was for him to have the space to break into the box. He was the one that they wanted to create the chances for because he's got the highest quality, I suppose, in the team. And, right. you know, you, you look at him and I think that shows how fast Slavia had come. There's no way they could get a player like that two years ago even. But it's easy to forget as well how good they were in the Europa League last season and I know you can say oh yeah it was the Europa League it beat Sevilla Sevilla it's their, it's their competition yeah they, you know? they're the first team to yeah. knock Sevilla out of the, the the Europa League since 2011 should be renamed the Sevilla Trophy really yeah ab- absolutely yeah. but you look at the other teams they played in that all teams with more money than them and with you know more resources than them so Zenit Bordeaux a lot of big teams and you think Chelsea they were 5-1 down an aggregate after 27 minutes, 28 minutes of the second leg. Mm. And they still came back and got them to a point where Cesar Aspilicueta was but for time-wasting yeah. towards the end of that. I mean, they're, they're not scared. But, but so do you think they can, have a, they can have a say in this group then? Perhaps well, not they, qualify, but they can't take them lightly they, at all. They always could have done. And it's, it's right. a bit like when you look at that group. Are uh, they playing their home games at the San Siro this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, they look like the home side, Luke, because they the, did. the yeah. way they, it, it wasn't a smash and grab counter-attack uh, performance. They outplayed into, and the, the way they were able to get pressure on, on particularly well, Inter as a whole um, was was brilliant to see, really. And Conte kind of held his hand up afterwards and said um, they outran us uh, when it came to tackles. They were more physical, more determined. Um, and they, just by virtue of their, pre- their really well-organised pressing game, they made it really difficult for Inter to play out from the back. They uh, forced mistakes um, on Inter, and Inter were never allowed to settle. and They were reduced to smashing the ball up there. Yeah. And that, that made it very, very difficult for Lukaku, for example, didn't it? Because all he was doing is trying to win the ball in the air most of the time. Well, I mean, Lukaku's not fit. And mm. he he also has this problem where he he reacts rather, antis- rather than anticipates the play. Yeah. And there are some, <laughs> sometimes where he is quite easy to defend. Um, well, he, goes, he, go, he, he definitely goes through phases where... He doesn't look like scoring. Mm. Like he, he's definitely a streaky forward when it comes to, it comes to contributing mm. goals. But then, having said that, it was he got two in his first three for for Inter in Serie A, and he's got quite a few goals in, through the summer for Belgium as well. So you'd think he'd be in one of those kind of periods. But then I guess he's had a difficulty with with moving to a new club and all that's entailed. But I, I just wonder. I came away from that game thinking, I wonder if that injury time equaliser from Barella is, is going to be worth its weight come 
the end of the group stage, it might be that point might make a difference for them. Because yeah. if, you, if you, what you guys are saying about Slavia Prague is true, I've no reason to doubt it. They might have a say in this group a bit more than people expect. Yeah. Um, special special mention, of course, as well for referee in that game, uh, Mr. Rudy Bouquet. <laughs> Hyacinth son. <laughs> Although it's spelt ruddy, so it looks like ruddy bouquet. Okay. But I, I presume it's pronounced Rudy Bouquet. He's a French referee, so yes. it's not as funny, but it is still quite funny. Not, um, not my favourite French referee, he's just not officious enough. Really, who's your favourite French referee? Now we're talking. Get into the weeds. Oh, Clément Turpin. Yeah. yeah. My favourite Champions League referee is that German doctor, Dr. Felix. Dr. Felix Brick. Yeah, he's yeah. great. He's <laughs> great. I knew you'd like him, James, as well. They're all, they're all called Doctor. Are they? Yeah. Why? It's like a also in in Germany. Of respect. If, right. if like our wives, Luke, the more yeah. degrees and honours they collect, yeah. In in Germany, you actually have to um, refer to all of them. So if you've got you know PhDs, MAs, all this sort of thing, you got to do the long it, haul. It would be Doctor 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 Felix Brick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, you to me are Doctor 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 James Warncastle. I what makes me think of Doogie Howser, MD. Yeah, a bit uh, like that. Yeah, I want to do a little bit more housekeeping actually before we, before we chip off because um, uh, we are across OTC at footballroundwithdaily.com the email address we don't read quite as many emails out now as we, as, as we did but I want you to know that we do read them and we're interested in them and when we get ones that are particularly pertinent we will drop them into the show and something that's come up um, actually over and over again over the last week or two it's just people are interested in a reminder of where they can watch these different football leagues now of course people can watch the Champions League on BT Sport as we as we know you can see James on that as well doing his um how would you what would you call that show? The goal show. The goal show. Yeah, with um, some of your other pals. Yeah, I actually bumped into you, didn't I? In, in Soho. I, I picture the scene. I bumped into you and Julien and Alvaro, <laughs> as he as he referred to himself. Uh, yeah. Have I got that pronunciation right? Alvar, Alvaro. Alvaro. Um, in in Soho. Yes. The yeah. Meeting of minds. Mm. Uh, anyway, that's a that's a di- that's a that's a, t- a tangential diversion. Where can people just please remind our listeners where they can watch football in this country of these leagues that we talk about every week well of course it's changed since the international break changes every week changes every <laughs> fucking week and that's what people keep emailing but hopefully this will this will be the end to it so uh, you, you have BT covers you for France and Germany but now Premier Sports covers you for Italy Spain Eredivisie and of course they've got free sports as well free sports is well, as it would imply, free on your Digibox. Now available in HD as well. Oh, and spoiling us, those so, friends. So you have Portugal sports. and they they will drip down mm. um, Spanish and Italian games, the odd game here and here and there on it as well. So even if you haven't got one of the packages, you can pick up loads on free sports. Great, okay. James, and uh, anything else to add to that? I'm trying to think about other football leagues on other channels. That Russian I'm... Premier League on the YouTube there we on go. the YouTube, on the old YouTube, as the kids <laughs> yeah. call it. Um, okay, before we chip off, then it's the bit we've we've seen the first round of games in the Champions League, uh, and we've talked about some of the notable stories and some of the notable results. What for you guys are the takeaways, the big things that people can think about and learn for for next week that we perhaps we didn't know before these games took place? I think one of the things is the uh, the Bundesliga ended up with the most wins of you know Europe's top five leagues, which when you contrast that with last year. And yeah. how badly they did. Um, is... And Dortmund should have won against Barcelona. So it should have been even better. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so you would say Germany come out with, with the points? On match day one. Yeah. There's a long way to go, of course. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and I suppose Dortmund are in a tough group. So And they didn't win. They were one of the teams that didn't win. So that could get harder for them. Um, Bayer Leverkusen 
also didn't win, James. Mm-hmm. So this is looking a little bit more threadbare by the moment. But yeah, um, they, they had two wins. Well, yeah. look, my take so, yeah. my take home would be that even having turned 35, Matthew Valbuena is quite magnificent. I'll tell you what, he deserves a mention. It's absolutely right and proper that we don't go away from this um, from this show without mentioning Matteo Valbuena because he did look decent, along with the other fella against Spurs as well. He scored the other Daniel goal. Daniel Pedence. He looked great as well. Um, so maybe that's a, that's a learning to take away too. All right, chaps, let's get out of here um, and we'll, we'll chat about it next time. James, what do you think? How do you find the customer care here at Football Daily? Um, yeah, some of the most caring, caring, loving teddy bear people that you know. You Present can... company excluded. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was a Stakhanov production.